Hello, and thank you for tuning in for our class on First and Second Peter. My name is Bob Lawrence, one of the Bible class teachers at the Anchorage Church of Christ, and I'm glad you've chosen to join us. Uh, this week, we turn to the final session in our lessons on First Peter, and the next week we'll transition to Second Peter. But this week, we'd like to finish out our study of, of the letter that Peter wrote, which is called First Peter, and we'll be in chapter 5, verses about 8 through 11. Now, the book of First Peter is actually a letter, and it's important to remember that. This is a letter that was written by the Apostle Peter, and you will notice and remember that as we've read through this letter and studied this letter, we found that the life of Peter is infused and even woven through every single chapter of this letter. And so let's take a minute this week just to review what we've learned about the letter of First Peter and then we'll allow Peter himself to bring this uh, section of our class to a, to a close as we come to that end of the letter of 1 Peter. Well, the letter of 1 Peter is written by Peter. Now, Peter was one of the apostles of Jesus, one of those uh, specially selected by Jesus to hear the gospel, to walk with Jesus, to learn about how God is remaking the entire world. Uh, one person at a time. Peter was one of the first to learn that. And Jesus told Peter when he chose him, Peter, uh, you are a fisherman, he said, because that was Peter's profession. But I, Jesus said, I will make you a fisher of men. And so Peter followed Jesus for three years. And Peter ends up at the, at the end of this kind of training period of three years, Jesus dies He's buried, he's resurrected. Peter gets to see all of that take place. And then after Jesus is raised from the dead, Jesus takes Peter aside and he assigns him a job. And his job for the rest of his life is to be a shepherd of this new church, this, uh, this group of people who will follow Christ as God is making the world right again uh, through him. And so he tells Peter, your job is to feed my lambs, to tend to my sheep, to feed my sheep. And so Peter becomes the shepherd of the early church. And, and we see him right out the gate in Acts. Uh, Peter's the one who gives the, the uh, sermon on the day of Pentecost. And he is the one who shepherds that first 3,000 people who become a part of the church. Peter's the one who is selected to teach the gospel to the Gentiles. You'll remember the story of Cornelius. Peter is the one who shepherds Paul, that uh, amazing missionary who ends up going throughout the world. And Peter and Paul's life will come together at different points along the way. Peter is also the, the one who shepherds a young minister named Mark, who ended up writing one of the four Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark there was likely tutored or specially taken under the wing of of Peter. So Peter becomes this shepherd of the, of the whole church, and it's towards the end of his life, we're told. He's in Rome, or euphemistically here at the end of Peter, he says, I'm in Babylon, and the, and the other Christians in Babylon or in Rome send you greetings, he'll say at the end of the letter. And Peter dictates this, this letter to be sent, we're told, at the very first of the book to five different regions over what is modern-day Turkey. So Peter writes this letter to Pontus, to Galatia, to Cappadocia, to Asia and Bithynia. And if you were to look at an ancient map, you would see that those are regions in what is modern day Turkey. And there were churches there in each of these different regions. 
And Peter in Rome saw that something was coming. And the days ahead looked dark. You'll remember that Peter was in Rome at the time when the emperor was Nero. And Peter watched what was happening as Christians were being mistreated and maligned and persecuted. And he could see that that tension was was rising and that there would be a wave of persecution that would, would go over that entire Roman world and affect all of these churches. And so Peter calls aside a man named Silas. And you might remember that Silas worked closely with Paul at times. You've heard of Paul and Silas on their missionary journeys. It was probably that same Silas who's called Silvanius at the end of here at uh, the end of 1 Peter uh, that helped to write down what Peter was dictating. And then Silas is the one that carried this letter. Now this letter would be read in each of those churches and someone who heard that letter read for the first time thought that it was so meaningful and the message was so important that they made a copy and they passed that copy on to others. And those who received that copy thought the message was so important that they made copies and then copies of copies were made. Eventually those copies would be translated from the original Greek into languages like Latin and then they would be translated into other languages, such as German, and eventually into many other languages, including English. And eventually, a copy of this very letter that Peter first wrote would be presented to you. So, in a sense, whenever you open this letter of 1 Peter, you are standing side by side with the very first Christians who heard its message. And in that letter, Peter writes to these churches and he says uh, this, this one message, the times that are coming are about to be dark, but you hang in there. And he speaks a message that reaches across, as you've seen over the last several weeks, reaches across all of these centuries and even 2,000 years and speaks to you as a follower of Christ today. If you choose to follow Christ, Peter says, you will be misunderstood at best. And even worse, you will be mistreated. You will be maligned. Some of you will be persecuted and some of you will even be killed, he says, because you choose to follow Christ. And what do you say to a group of people who are going to be misunderstood and mistreated and maligned and possibly even going to their death because they follow Christ? What do you say to a group of people that, go, that will face that kind of persecution. And Peter says this, don't give up. The entire letter of First Peter can be probably summed up in that verse that you read in chapter 4, verse 12, where he says, don't be surprised at this fiery trial that is overcoming you or when you face this fiery trial. But instead, he says, rejoice. Rejoice first that you are being treated the very same way they treated Jesus. And, and remember, Peter is a man who knows what he's talking about. He saw exactly how Jesus was treated, and he saw exactly what Jesus' purpose was. And he heard from Jesus himself how the world was to be made right again. And Peter says, first of all, rejoice that you are sharing in the sufferings of Christ. But then he says, secondly, rejoice because that means you will also share in those glories of Christ or that the reward that comes from following Christ when God makes the world right again. So the message of 1 Peter is 
Yes, there will be times that are very tough, but you hang in there. In fact, there's this consistent drumbeat throughout all of 1 Peter, as Peter says, even if you're facing these trials, he says, your faith is worth more than gold. And so hang to that faith, stand firm in your faith, and in the midst of these trials, you be a good citizen. In fact, he talked about you intentionally place yourself as a good citizen under the local government. And if you're an employee, you intentionally place yourself as a servant under your employer. And if you're a wife, you place yourself under in service to your, to your husband. And, and if you're a husband, you place yourself willingly at the service of your wife. And then he says to all of you, willingly, on purpose, voluntarily, lay your life down and put yourself under others. But that's not where he ends. Peter takes us through this letter and he says, hang in there, hang on to your faith, be of service. In fact, he says, live such good lives among your community so that even when people look at you and accuse you of doing evil, eventually they will praise God. And then he comes to the end of this letter and he says, not only do you lay yourself down or allow yourself to be a servant of all others, listen to how Peter ends this letter in chapter 5. He says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you. And then listen to what he says next. Remember, to a group of people who are facing all kinds of suffering, all kinds of persecution, he says, Casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. So hear that clearly as Peter ends this letter. He says, first of all, above all, humble yourself before God under the mighty hand of God so that he may lift you up in due time. And then Peter says, all your anxieties, everything that causes you uh, to be anxious, uh, to, to, be at e- to be uneasy, Everything that causes you concern, take that as if it were a ball and cast it. Or remember, Peter was a fisherman. You take that like a net full of all of your cares and you just throw that towards God. You cast your anxieties onto Him. But don't miss why. Peter says, because He cares for you. Now think about what what that means. The God that made the entire universe, the king of all of creation, the sovereign emperor of everything that exists, the one who understands the movement of every tiny atom all the way out to the expanse of the entire universe, the one who has control over all of that, cares for you. The God of this universe the God of all creation, cares for you. And Peter Peter knows that. He has reason to know that. And he says, in the midst of your persecution, you cast your concerns on Him. But he doesn't end there. He says, being sober-minded, or he says, be sober-minded and be watchful because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. I, I, I want to, you know, pay attention to that word sober-minded. That's the third time that we've met that here 
in 1 Peter. That word keeps coming up. It came up in chapter 1, again in chapter 4, here in chapter 5. And Peter seems to be, again, hitting this drumbeat in which he uses this word. And the best way to describe this is the word sober-minded. Uh, and it's a, good, it's a good translation of that word. Because remember the contrast uh, Peter pointed out earlier is that most of the time when people feel mistreated or when people feel discriminated against or marginalized, in that day and time, they ran to their god Bacchus or Dionysus. And you'll remember that the worship of Bacchus or Dionysus included uh, these huge drinking parties with sensuality and what Peter calls lawless idolatry. And Peter says, in contrast to that, you, as a follower of Christ, you be sober-minded. Keep your head. And even in this world, when, when you are mistreated or maligned or misunderstood, keep your head because your enemy is not other people. Your enemy, the devil, he names here, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But don't give up. Peter says, resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And so the, the, the point Peter makes is that the devil is seeking to devour you and that the type of devouring is, by your culture, uh, misunderstanding, mistreating, maligning, persecuting you. And Peter says, resist that. He doesn't mean resist other people. What he's saying is you resist the temptation to give up your faith. You hang tight to that firm conviction in God as the one who is sovereign. And don't give up on that, realizing that you're not the only one going through this. But so are your brothers and sisters over the whole world. And then Peter says this, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you by his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And hear how Peter brings it full circle here uh, to say, in this world, if you choose to follow Christ, you will be misunderstood. You will be maligned. You will be mistreated. You will be persecuted. Some of you will even be killed. But you hang on to your faith. Because at the right time, God is going to restore you. And that's what he said earlier. You humble yourself under God's mighty hand so that he may restore you or lift you up in due time. Because it is God who will restore you. He is the one who will confirm you, who will strengthen you. And then this very strong word, he will establish you. planted in such a way that you cannot be moved. And then Peter ends our entire letter here with this final statement, to him, meaning to God, be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Another translation of that would be, to him be the control forever. The word dominion means having control over everything. And so you can say that Peter ends this letter by saying, above all leaders, above all employers, above all emperors, above every power in all of creation is God. To him who has control of everything, be glory forever. And that's where we'll end 
our study of 1 Peter. Well, it would be a shame to study 1 Peter and not actually read it as it was meant to be read. And so if you would, take the balance of your time today. It won't take you long, but read this letter again the way it was meant to be read. Starting at the very first introduction, read all the way through chapter 5 and allow the message of 1 Peter to wash over you and hear this letter afresh in your own day and time. God bless you. God bless the reading of his word. I'll see you next week when we turn now to 2 Peter and see what uh, Peter has to teach us there about how to take care of our faith in the midst of a culture that does not understand what it is that we believe or how we act. I'll see you next week.